All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on the Plan the Pray podcast. We've been, we hadn't podcasted in a while. That's because we've been doing live streams for the Leafs games. And I figured spending three, almost three hours doing a live stream, then having to do a podcast in the same week is a little, little much, uh, especially with schedules and trying to work that out. So this week we're not doing a live stream. So we're just doing a podcast this week. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the live stream, the last live stream we had, because I think that was one of our better ones in terms of content and guests. Uh, but we'll get to that a little later. Let's, let's, let's just say David really, uh, really up to the low standard that I had set as a co-host. Well, it wasn't the, your standard. It was just, I found someone that knows a lot more than every single one of us, um, but we'll get to that a little later. I wanted to really hone in on, okay, so the Leafs, after getting shut out by Calgary on Monday, was 3 nothing. They come back tonight. It looked like they were on their way to getting shut out again. And then uh, how, how, how long, how much time was left? Like just uh, over? Under two minutes, I'd say. Under two minutes because they, they pulled the goalie. They pulled Hutchinson early. Yeah, they pulled and, Hutch around two minutes, so it was probably about um, a minute, maybe. It was late. Yeah, and this might have been the most chaotic scene I have seen <laughs> in front of the net involving the Leafs in a really long time. Probably since Taidomi and all those guys were still on the team when that's how they used to score say, all their goals. When, when Sundin scored that goal against the Hurricanes in When Sundin used to just throw it at the net when they no, were down one goal and five the other five guys on the ice would just pack the crease and hack away and they'd somehow get a goal like three quarters of the time yeah so William Nylander gets the goal yes go to overtime it's a good thing they got the point out of it I think Calgary I mean David Riddish deserved the point Calgary didn't but David Riddish deserved both points yeah he definitely did I don't know if he did not I don't know if you guys caught his comments after the game like I I heard him talk and the guy was so devastated. Like, yeah, I would be too. I mean, I, I, how many games has he played this season? This has to be like under five for sure. Markstrom's played almost every game. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, like, I, I kind of like, he, he had a tough start yeah. to the season. Like this is his seventh game. Yeah. Oh, wow. Seventh. Okay. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a lot less, Um, but yeah, like, you see him play like that and it's <laughs> it's not like a why did they sign Jacob Markstrom thing but it's kind of you start thinking like David Riddich isn't a nobody like he could start in this league no problem for Calgary so yeah it's just you know after what happened last year they were like yeah. we need a goalie that can push he's an elite backup the- which is what you want and Markstrom's a, number he, one yeah like he 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 was definitely better than Cam Talbot but they for some reason went with Cam Talbot and then they yeah. put Rid. Riddish has also had the Leafs number. I think he's like three and he was like in the going into that game, he was like three and one. Yeah. Uh, like the Leafs always had a hard time against a goalie like Riddich. And David Riddick, I think it's Riddick. I might yeah. be screwing yeah, you, this you, you gotta you gotta just look at Wikipedia for this one. Jake's <laughs> just like, come on, David. Riddich, Riddick. <laughs> Big save Dave. Made a uh, complete mockery of the Leafs the last couple nights. Yeah, and got him three out of four points. I mean, you can't ask for much more to your backup. No, especially when the first game he was called into duty last minute. 
because uh, Markstrom was down. Yeah. And then tonight, tonight what? this was all Cal- Calgary. The thing with Calgary, and I've watched a, f- a lot more of their games because I've been working a lot of late nights. They're like one of the only teams that isn't fully blacked out as well. That too. They usually like, play like Vancouver, so we can actually watch them. Well, we and also how many times have you and I been on a call together? We're watching Calgary yeah. and Vancouver play, and the only reason why Calgary's in those games is because of their goaltending. Mm-hmm. The the Flames, I understand they they don't, they got brought. This is why they brought in Marsham. They needed a goalie because a goalie has been the goaltending position hasn't been really good for them, no. and Marsham has been. Um, really good for them this year. Like I would say he before they went on their slump, he was a guy I would put in the Vesna conversation just because that's how much he's meant to them. But then yeah. you know the thing the problem is the rest of the team is just is discombobulated. There's, Especially I mean just yeah, I thought Calgary was gonna be one of the top teams in the division just because they poached a bunch of players from Vancouver. Markstrom won um Chris Tanner's another is a big name from there. Am I forgetting anyone else? There's a couple. Oh, they, added, they added Josh Levo as yep. like a depth player. And there was another. So they got two. They got a top four defenseman from Vancouver. They got their starter and they got a good depth piece from them. So, and Vancouver was a good team last year. So, I mean, you think they're going to do well. They just, I don't know what's been going on with them. And I mean, it's not like they've had a lot of, they've had a lot of weird games, I'd say. Sorry, I misspoke there. They had a lot of weird games, like playing Edmonton and Vancouver and just some matchups that on paper they probably should have won but didn't. And, you know, it is what it is. They're <laughs> they're they're just in the situation now where they don't really have time to worry about what's happening because they're playing every other night. They just have to put it behind them and keep going, essentially. Yeah, like, you know, they, they got thoroughly embarrassed by the Oilers. Like, yep. you, I knew they were going to – I knew the, these two games were not going to be easy for the Leafs because, no. you know, they, they have they had more to prove after Toronto, you know, pretty much dummied uh, the Senators, then 5-3 on Montreal. And then you get a little – I think a little complacent. And yeah. Calgary – I give Calgary credit for that first game because they really stymied the Leafs. This game, it, it this was a tough one because they really di- the Leafs really didn't do a lot until like later in the game. I felt like the third period, that third period by the Leafs was really good because they were really pouring it on. But yeah. we also know that a team like Calgary, when they rely on goaltending like that, you're just looking for an opening. And that's what happened on the Manjapani goal. Uh, I mean, just, did you guys feel like when that goal, I think it was like three thirty ish. Yeah. It, when the puck went in for Calgary, did you, did it just feel like that game was over the way Ridge was playing? Cause that's how I felt. I was kind of like, well, shit, this is. Yeah. You, you're just like, Oh, of course, this is how it's going to end for the Leafs. It did feel like that, but yeah. I, I'll I'll give the least credit that they didn't let that default. Like they pushed to the very end because we've seen it far too many times where you, they just kind of give up near the end there, and they didn't this time. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, and this is I think this is probably a good thing because the Leafs have tried too often to win things pretty. 
They needed they needed a game where they can say, you know what, we can we can really push till the end. Mm-hmm. How many how many like you I look at the playoffs against Columbus, that series still infuriates me because how many of those games ended you know, two nothing, two one, like close They have to games. learn how to win ugly. Yes. That's the problem. And it's not not win ugly. It's games like this where not everything's going your way. You're driving possession, but the goalkeeper's stopping everything. I think they had something close to 40 shots, and Riddick was standing on his head essentially. I mean, it was a lot of it was a lot of outside chances and point shots and stuff like that. It wasn't a lot of like high danger chances like we're used to seeing. Calgary no. did a really good job of keeping the Leafs to the outside. So I think yes. this is a good experience for them to figure out like just how they can win ugly because they need to figure that out because that's where they run into problems is Columbus when in Boston, especially when they muck it up and they play that game where they are tight checking and make you play along the boards, the Leafs have shriveled up and died might not be the fair word for it, but they've shriveled up and really not risen to the occasion in those games. Well, they just, it's been limited. They've looked lackluster. Yeah. They just, it, it it's not a complete like shutdown, but you can tell like there's just it's just, there's nothing there. Yeah. So Nylander scores the tying goal, and then OT happens, and he's he scores that absolutely beautiful goal where he's a long way from the sideboards on both those goals. Eh, what a surprise! <laughs> and you're a troll for it. <laughs> let's just let's just say as soon as the goal happened this is this is the part that annoys me in that i know what the reaction is going to be like yeah what was the first thing after i mean after you sent the message about nylander's goal <laughs> what was the first thing that i sent to the group it was a <laughs> screenshot yeah. of a conversation in another group i was in where the guys were like Hold on. Oh, he's a defensive liability. He was defensive he liability. Was the reason the Flames scored their goal, stuff like that. And it's like, um, you're, it's what we always talk float, about. Your mind's float, already sorry, made up. I, a new, a new nickname for him: Floatlander, defensive liability. Like, look, very creative. Good for you. Um, you can you can bash on him when he is not when he's not doing well, and I will say, and we'll get into his play the last few days. But you you also can't be throwing that stuff out there when he's scoring the game winners. Yeah, that's not the time to double down when he just tied and won the game for your team. This is this is the part that kills me. You know, I I heard you know I've heard people say, oh, it doesn't seem like the team really plays for him, or he doesn't like play for the team, like to play f- to help the team win. And you see the reaction of all the guys like. They know the shit that Nylander's been going through the last few weeks. They know the article that Steve Simmons wrote. I understand. A whole other story that we could get into. Well, we're going to get into part of it. Yes. Jake, Jake, uh, before we continue with the Nylander stuff, do you want to explain how we've kind of, how the narrative, like how we fully saw the narrative about Nylander tonight? Do you want to explain the story? I don't want to. I don't want to put uh, you. Yeah, on no, chips. no, it's fine. I, I just, I watch it with with my dad, who's watched them for, I don't know, since he was a kid, pretty much, and yeah. 
he's just he's basically just the perfect enigma like even for me he does shit where i watch him and i'm just like what are you doing like, yeah you do nothing you're doing yes. nothing yes. and like as somebody who obviously isn't as talented as him you watch a guy like mccabe or something and it's just like this guy could be so good if he just put it on all yeah. the time if he had mccabe's drive could you imagine that's exactly what my dad was saying yeah and he's like mccabe just has 10 cent 10 cent hands but like mccabe just, just has a wide open net shot. and shoots it off the goalie's shoulder on the other side i mean of it's net. just it's very difficult especially when they play on like the same line uh when there's definitely such a significant gap in effort it's frustrating and i mean yeah. i've been i've said i think he's a great player i would if he left and they got a trade for him i wouldn't be upset i mean no, no. he's just he's one of those guys where if he is dominating he can be a great player but if he's not on he is invisible and i kind of agree it would be nice to have some consistency but I mean, it's just the way it is because he yeah. he just he just does stuff like he did tonight. Like he just plays horrible the entire game, and then he scores twice, and yeah. it's a tying goal and the winning goal. I mean, I don't know. I don't like I. You can tell that he doesn't really care because you know all these articles and stuff. There's no real pushback from him. like if somebody called me out about that, like I'd I'd be pissed. I'd take it personally, yeah. but. The, um, he the, I think we've probably a quality that's good in his instance, but it'd be nice for him to have some pushback. Like even a guy like Matthews who got called, not called out about him, but pretty much like he didn't get exposed, but he embarrassed him publicly. And he basically just told him to fuck himself. And like, I got no problem with that. I wish more yeah. guys did that. Cause you got so many of these, these scumbag reporters who basically act they know the deal. They know they're not gonna. They're not gonna confront them. Like they're not gonna. Physically especially when them. you're that's, doing Zoom calls right that's now. That's the problem with it this year. Especially that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, like, we've talked about it. On I'm here. like, I'm like, you ha I'm like, hey Steve, why don't you walk up to his face and say you suck? And I'm gonna write an article about how much you suck. He's not doing that. He's ballless. He's a guy that basically hides behind a paper. Like I don't know. I I, I have no time for that. Like especially considering you know all these other things with um him breaking the news about covid and nobody really yeah. has respect for him i no. i i obviously wouldn't say anything but i got no problem with guys like jacob voracek and uh i think it was dan boyle to uh like brooksy <laughs> brooksy yeah, yeah. yeah like if some guy's being an asshole i got no problem with that i don't care if you're a sports writer i don't care if you serve ice cream you're the president <laughs> of the united states if you do do that you should be subject to get called out well it's, that's the best part is remember when Berkey got hired by pittsburgh that's that video started circulating of him just body bagging simmons up in his uh presser where he was leaving just said the best part about today is that i'll never have yeah. to talk to you again steve yeah yeah and, yeah i mean what i will say is when dave and i were in school we got to talk to some people and carla koliakova was one of them who talked about uh, sort of this subject of people writing articles about players and then in a normal world, not in a COVID world, you have to go to the rink the next day and face them. The thing with Steve Simmons is the one thing I will give him credit for from what Carlos said is he would write an article bashing a guy and then walk in and take his lumps. 
Like he'd have to yeah. face the guy and he wouldn't shy away. That's the thing. Like, I don't think he takes his lumps because like, no, what are you going to do to him? He doesn't have what any. What are you going to yeah. do to him? He's, he, doesn't he knows feel that. Anything. Like he, he, I honestly, he's that guy that is just like looking for a fight, a confrontation, looking yeah. for something to write that next. Story oh, absolutely. About. He's looking like, for that. I'm not saying that I commend him on writing articles, shit posting people and then showing up for work the next day. Cause that's what he's paid to do. But he does have to hear about it. But the issue is that the players in a situation where how much can you really yell at him? Cause then he's just going to go write another article about what you told him. Cause he has no, <laughs> I don't want to say he doesn't have any integrity cause he's a journalist. No, you have he, to. He, he doesn't. I, the issue is I'm in the same field, so I can't really bash the guy. Um, but I, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like I, I'm he's sure already, there, there's he's already tons, run a player out there's of town. tons of fantastic reporters out there that do a yes. great job but i mean i just i'm not a fan of his methods no, or style at all no i mean it's just words i don't really care yeah. i'm sure some of these guys care but i know that there's going to be some guys who do take it personally and it's not going to but be like it so the thing that i will say last is if he had to show up to the mastercard center the next day and face willie in the locker room after he said he was Swedish, like IKEA furniture, and there was assembly yeah, required. Yeah, I, d- I did not he understand wouldn't, he wouldn't that reference. You wouldn't fucking say that shit. I if mean, he had you to know face the reference. You know the reference because it's Swedish, right? Yeah, I, I, I know. I understood that, but I'm like some assembly required, like yeah, he uh, wouldn't have said no, that no. if he had to face Willie at the Mastercard Center the next day. He's got uh, this. He's got no, this, I think he still does. Mm, I think he would have worded it a little differently. I think nah, he, he doesn't have know. to face him. Neither, yeah, yeah, I think he's kind of just a guy that laughs. Here's, Steve, here's yeah, Steve's thing. in it for clicks nowadays. He's on the back end of his journalistic career. It's not like he has a lot of, unless he doesn't want to retire. Well, <laughs> like he doesn't, he's just he doesn't need to. He doesn't care what anybody thinks of him. That's why he's been so successful because he writes this stuff and everybody reads it and everybody reacts to it. And that's why the sun's never going to fire him because he gets clicks. Let me, but he let, writes some absolute crap about some people, and it gets a reaction, like it or not. This is what I'm going to say about it. He also writes this because Nylander, and there's a reason why Nylander is not brushed the same as Tavares. Yeah, to, where, to, where's the slander Matthews. about JT? Who's been you know why? Just as... This is the problem, Austin. Nylander doesn't talk to the media. And when he and talks to the to. media, he gives them nothing. Yeah. Oh, I know. And Nylander is Nylander's one of the worst quotes on the team. I trust. There me. are some reporters who say they're they don't they are not biased, but I know reporters who say, "Oh, you know, I like talking to this guy because he's yeah. a good quote." Oh, we, I'm gonna miss. You know, how many media guys were disappointed when Connor? You know, when Connor Carrick was gone. Oh, you know that that's a you know because they lose a good quote. Nylander's not a good quote. He's never been, and that's not really, unless he goes and he goes out of his way to opening up, which I don't think he will. He's going, some are just going to paint him in a certain way just because of that reason. Now, when it comes to Tavares, because yes, Tavares has also been struggling, but this is the difference. Here's the difference with Tavares that I'm seeing. The effort is there. Like tonight, yeah. he got tonight. He should have had, I think, tw- two goals. There was like, especially one where Riddick, where Riddick just like robbed him. Yep, Complete. that was a great play. 
the effort is there. And defensively, I can see he's at, you know, he's a reliable defensive player too. I get that. I think it's just, he's, he's in his head a little bit. We, we saw that there's times where he can get in his head. The frustration is there. And the reason why he's not getting the grief that Nylander is, is because the reporters can see that he is frustrated. He knows he's not performing well. And then you see Nylander, as Jake mentioned, you know, he kind of, he's kind of loosey goosey out there. And that's where a lot of Leaf fans are like, is he even trying? Does he even care? But that's just his style. It's just the way he is. He's not a guy that's going to show a lot of passion and emotion because he's never really been that player. And you're not, honestly, how many players have gone on to, especially skilled players, how many have gone on to change themselves? Not many. No, uh, I I said it to you in our group chat tonight. It's like, it seems like Leaf fans act like William Nylander was pitched like he was Nick Ritchie during the draft. His literal thing on draft night is like playmaking center likes to have the puck on his stick. That's literally all they said about him. And he's Michael Nylander's son. That was his little rundown on TSN. That's what he's been for his entire time in Europe, his entire time with the Marlies and his entire time with the Leafs. The difference is he doesn't have the puck on his stick as much as he did in Sweden because he has Austin Matthews. He's got Mitch Marner and oh yeah, they just got John Tavares. Those are three guys that also would very much like the puck on their sticks all the time. Mm-hmm. So there's only so much to go around. Like, you know what? He floats sometimes. He's not great defensively. He never was great defensively. That's not his game. I um, I sound pissed off because I'm just so fucking tired of talking about this. But it's just, it. it's talking to a wall with Leaf fans because they're so goddamn stubborn about this guy. This trade is the him. problem. Trade this... him and see what you get. It's not going to be better. It's not going to be a better deal. It's not going to be a better player. Maybe a maybe a defenseman that's around his value. This is the issue. This is the issue. There's two extremes. There yep. are the people who hate Nylander, like yep. Jake Stad, like that. <laughs> a that bunch of other people. Like a, like yeah. there's not. I'm not singling out Jake's dad because, as I said, <laughs> oh, tons, I've got. Yeah, I've got. I can. I can go on forever about the people I know that don't like Nylander. It's pretty much yeah. almost every person I know. Other than, you know, a lot of older people, let's just say people that are older than me. I don't, I don't think there's a single guy older than me that likes William Nylander. No, and of course not. there are the people younger than me. I feel like I'm in the middle right now. There's people younger than me. And, you know, I think like, like Dangle and like the, the people who look at the other things that Nylander does and they're like his, they, they feel like it's their right to defend him. They have yeah. to defend them. They have I don't to know, come I just to think his people, aid. People take it personally. Yes. Because, I mean, you got one of side course. who sees this, you know, good-looking guy who makes an absolute boatload of money, mm-hmm. who is very, very talented. And they're those people who were never talented, and they had to work their ass off. And this is someone that does yeah, it naturally. To to me, I can see I can see their point too. Like it pisses me off if I see some kid who's like six foot five and can just shoot the lights out playing basketball, and there's a guy who's five eleven and he has to just work his ass off. It's basically like the Fred Van Vliet versus you know a bunch of these other basketball players who Mm -hmm. 
he's a guy that had to work to get there. And there's guys that just got there basically because they were naturally gifted. I mean, for us, especially with, I'd say with all sports, most guys, um, it's easy to sympathize with superstars that work hard. I mean, I'm trying to think of like a like like a superstar, a naturally gifted superstar who doesn't you know work like the absolute hardest impossible. Because I, I can't think of one. I like there's plenty any of all star players. Say it again. Any, any sport, sport where you actually have to work. Don't say like Lewis Hamilton or something. <laughs> <laughs> they they work their asses off enough. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But like I, I'm saying something like that. Uh, a, a legit superstar. But like Mike Cause Trout, because like, like Ronaldo, Ronaldo works his ass off. Does Messi Mike Trout? Does. Is that someone? Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm assuming he does. Uh, I'm guessing he also plays baseball. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Okay. Um, the the I'll truly. Say I'll say Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal. I think I, I say one. he plays baseball. Is in it's so, not as high. So intensity. I think Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal is a pretty good example for that. Shaq is. I'm not joking. I think he might be the most dominating and physically gifted player to ever play the sport of basketball and will be Jack, yeah. because of how dominant he was with literally zero effort. Like that's why they had a feud with Kobe because Kobe was this guy who was this, you know, uh, 13th overall pick who wasn't the number one overall pick who wasn't the superstar. And he was basically a man-made player who just outworked everybody. And Kobe had that problem with them. I mean, if you got a guy that, you know, he's not putting in the effort and it's like, listen, you're better than me. You're more talented than me. You're not better than me, which is sad. And you should be. And it's really easy to get frustrated with those guys. So I can see it. I mean, for me, it's reached a point where I would not be completely upset if they traded him because, you know, like with Kadri, you can see it because he worked his ass off. And he kind of got traded based on other circumstances that were his own doing, but also based on the team's, you know, depth chart and what they need to help on defense and stuff like that. And on top of that, like when you think about the the part that bothers me, yes, I'm, I don't think he's no one. He's not safe because look, Sheldon Keefe benched him for two games as he should have too. He yeah. like like it's clear that the Leafs are trying to send him a message. The problem here is are the people like oh no they got to trade him they got to trade him, but then they expect the moon and <laughs> oh yeah. we can trade let's trade him for a good defenseman. So your your star player that you're paying six million dollars for isn't playing well and just got benched and you want him to immediately trade them. What team is going to give you top value for that player? No one. Who? in the blue hell are you going to get back for a guy that is performing as bad as you say he is? Cause if everybody's saying it, then they're going to see it around the league. It's not like Nylander's being held as like some like Tyler Toffoli's value sky high right now. Yes. As, as high as it may have, may have been since, I don't know, they were winning cups back when he was in LA. Yeah. I think, Even like, then, he I, was think like a second, I think, I think, with Vancouver, I think with Vancouver, he kind of rejuvenated because he was in a situation where winning was the goal. And in L.A., it's just that team just needs needed a gut job. I think like I think the, the, honestly, the best thing for William Nylander would be a change of scenery because this 
fan base is never going to appreciate him. He could score the cup winning goal. And the same guys that you're talking about are like, do you see that defensive coverage he blew in the third period though? It's like, it'll never change. Uh, okay. Cup winning goal might be a little over. Uh, that's a bit of hyperbole. It would be, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, if he just continues to be his normal self and scores, you know, 25 goals, 60 points. Yes. I could see that hundred percent, especially if he does his little disappearing act in the playoffs, which has yes. definitely been a problem. So this is, this is the question I have. I don't see a trade happening this year during no. the season. Why would you trade him on this contract? You, Especially you trade when the salary the, you, cap's not going up or very minimally. You you trade him in the offs. If you're going to do a deal, you trade him in the off season where teams are, you know, uh, you know, trying to figure out if how their sal what their salary is like, how they want to approach free agency and all that stuff. You don't trade a guy with that deal and expect it to work out seemingly. It, it and especially now where if you're trading for a guy and you want to get a guy from the States, look at what Winnipeg went through to get Dubois. Yeah. They had to yeah, wait. And then he's two injured weeks. after he, and he gets his, his protocol. Yeah. So if you're expect like if you're saying trade Nylander now, it's not happening. Kyle it Dubas. Makes zero sense. You're not getting better. Kyle Dubas, I think I think the Nazem Kadri deal was a lesson for him yeah. because he traded Kadri when his value not while not tanked it wasn't as high as i think he he wanted it to be the I, thing, funny well, thing I, was I thought, they, I thought they did like decent in the trade well, i never yeah. liked it i i've always thought he, he was a guy that should have stayed around because of the way he plays it's just uh it was a really tough situation he, it's he like we said with you, it was I, I think i think if he didn't get suspended uh i don't think he would have been traded no. he'd and, still be on the leafs today if he didn't get suspended that second time the yeah. problem, the problem here was that wasn't the deal that Dubas wanted to make at first. No, and he, he wanted he, he, he wanted TJ Brody and Marchinkowski. And when you think of how TJ Brody's playing now, yeah, ended that up deal would have worked pretty out. well. <laughs> I mean, it worked out because we got him eventually. But imagine if but that I mean, deal... you also get Kerfoot, and then you ended up getting Brody in the end. Is what I mean. Yes. Right. So in hindsight, that deal still worked out for Dubas because he was able to get his guy. Yes. But um, also with Nylander, one I don't know if we want to wrap this up, but we do. Yes. Okay. Um, one more thing on him is go ahead. If you're trading Nylander, the main thing that everybody's calling for is, oh, you want to get a better defenseman. I I don't see a better defenseman out there. It's like you said, there's so many. Like nobody's gonna trade them in a shortened season, especially in the middle. Nobody's of the year. trading one for a winger. For a winger, you're only getting him for a center, and Willie's not a primary center in the NHL. Look at, at least him. from what we've been to, been shown so far, he's not. The only way is the only way is if you're going for a younger defenseman that's not as established. Yeah. Like I'm looking at what I look at what Colorado did, not necessarily the same situation with Matt Duchesne. Like Gerard, yeah. Like you're getting a guy that you're getting pieces that can eventually. But you're the paying for future assets, and that's not what the Leafs are about right now. They're trying no. to win this year. Um, but what I was gonna say is like. Are you really in a rush to trade away a winger that's a top six guy for you with the defense that the Leafs have right now? Because I think the Leafs' defenses actually look very good. It's 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 definitely more stable. I mean, not having I did Jake not Muslim expect right now, Zach Bogosian to be this good. I did because he'd be a third line guy. Like 
Babcock would have had yeah. him in the top four. I expected him to be like a Roman Polak, <laughs> like just wire the puck off the sideboards and like just be an absolute coursey nightmare. Here's just the because thing. he's old school, I guess. That, here's like defensive here- defenseman. And we're going to get to Babcock as well, but here's the synergy between Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe where they bring in Bogosian and yep. the plan is this is going to be, you know, I know Dubas had once says, you know, this is a guy who could potentially play on the second pair, but I think that's extreme circumstances. I think he was sending that as a message to a guy like Justin Hall and Travis Dermott to say, you, this is a veteran guy that we know that can play on the third pair and will take your job. Yep. If you do not perform. And it's and just that whole unit. I'm sorry. Finish what you were saying. No, I, and yeah, he, he's, he's playing the right role. Penalty kill th- third pairing. Yeah. And it's allowed Justin Hall. It's taken a little bit of the responsibility pressure. away, pressure yeah. away from him. And Justin Hall has had more time to get used to playing with Jake Muzzin because that was a that was a switch that was made. Yeah, they're not hot potatoing pairings every single week. No, which is nice. Um, yeah, it's just I mean I don't think it's a stretch to say TJ Brody's been the best defenseman on the team this season. No, he I think has. Justin Hull has been the biggest hype train. Yes, among fans, but TJ Brody's been the most steady from game in game out. TJ Brody is the smarter defenseman. He knows to make the smarter play. Problem with Justin yeah. Hall, and I think Jake, you mentioned this in the game on Saturday. He's slow. He's not fast. He's not quick. Oh, he's, no, he's he's a cement truck. What, what? I think it was the Kakenyemi goal. He got beat. <laughs> he got beat. He got he got he's, out. He's he got beat badly on that. It, the funny thing about that though is he he's still able to kind of play McDavid all right <laughs> when we play the Oilers. <laughs> Like he's he's cut the angle off on McDavid a, like a handful of times. It's very odd. The fastest also, player I, on earth. I also think Jake Muzzin. I think I think people underestimate the impact Jake Muzzin has on that pairing yeah. as well. Jake like Muzzin's people, been fantastic. Morgan Riley, I mean, hasn't quite been defensively fantastic, but he's not he's good. There. Um, I I just you get Letton and you got Sandine on the press box. I mean. Dermot's been all right. Like, well, Sandine's with the Marlies now, thankfully. Oh, yeah. Well, hurt, unfortunately, but. <sighs> yeah. Jesus. Um, but, like, I don't think you're really forced to move on from William Nylander with the unit playing as it is. Maybe it's a different story by the deadline, but again, you're not getting a. I don't want to say you're not getting a difference making defenseman, but you're not getting a guy that's moving the needle enough to give up a top six forward midseason. I don't even think that's what the Leafs priority should be. The Leafs no. priority. And we're, do you want to get into this now? We can get into this now. The mm. Leafs priority should be adding, in my opinion, and I guarantee Jake would probably agree with this, adding a guy, not the exact guy, but adding a guy like Tyler Toffoli. Yeah, they need more shooters for sure. They need a guy that, well, not, and not just shooters, but a shooter that's going to do things like, do it differently than what we have. Like, you know, I, I, I've said it the whole time. I thought a perfect guy would have been a Tyler Tavoli. Yeah. That's who I wanted the whole time. Uh, sucks that he has to go to play for the Habs, but. Well, because the Habs are the only team that could pay him that type of deal and give him the term that he was looking for. Like I, like the Leafs have in free agency, the only guy that Kyle Dubas has given term to are Tavares and, um, 
and then Brody. Those are the only two guys he's really given term to. Everybody else has been one-year deals, two maybe two-year deals, like very bare minimum. So I I under like like he like to to on this team would be such a like he would be the the ideal guy. The thing is, is there another Toffoli out there? Oh, there's no. shooters. There's guys that are like really yeah, yeah. talented shooters. They're, well, just, they're incredibly hard to find. Yeah, yeah. like I know that Nashville. They're like they're I, I got, a another one sale. would have been, uh, yeah, Nashville. A perfect one is Philip Forsberg. If you somehow to yes. get find a way to get him, do it and pay him. Yep. Yeah, and he has one more year left on his deal at a very reasonable deal for the skill set he provides. Um, I, I can't. The thing is, I haven't thought really thought about. I, I am planning to write an article about it, but like, who are the guys? Like, you look at the teams that are not competing this year. It's Anaheim. It's the three California teams, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, San Jose has nothing I want personally. So scratch that. LA has. LA has a really good, uh, whatchamacallit, prospect system, but I don't know. Their NHL team's kind of been picked apart. Unless they can take on a bunch of salary they're, on, like, they're they're intriguing options, but yeah. not ones that I can say that. Unless are like, you want like a Jeff Carter on, like no, they, no. they take a bunch of the salary and yeah, like, but he's he's over the they hill. have a bunch of he's like yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Or I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just throwing names out. Anze Kopitar is making over ten. Drew Doughty's so making a, over ten. A guy that's stung, uh, that's uh, st- stood out for me that I think would be a really good fit is Kyle Palmieri on the Devils. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I was he's actually kinda, someone I was going to bring. kind of like a. I'm trying to think of guys who are really high volume shooters, guys who shoot the puck a lot. Yeah. And ones that I think he's going to be a free agent. Yes. He's, uh, I that's think why he's I bring it up. So, yeah. like, he's one. Like, the guys that keep bringing up that are big time shooters, like Philip Forsberg, that guy shoots freaking everything. Um, I'm trying to think of another one that would be like a good spot. Cause they're hard to find like a Connor Garland. I know on uh, what's the guy that was Marner's line mate. Christian Fisher? Dvorak. Dvorak. Yeah, Dvorak. Yeah, yeah. The problem Him is, too. is that I think Arizona thing they're going to, they're, I don't think Arizona is in a, we're going to sell. That's the other problem. Like Phil Forsberg has actually, he has 17. What was that? 17 points in 18 games on a natural team that struggled to score. That's, Quite impressive. Wasn't, uh, wasn't Arvidsson another name that they were looking to sell? Well, if they, the only they people, they, the only the only players they weren't going to sell were Yossi. And um, it was like Yossi Fabro and a couple like I call. No, it was Fabro wasn't even included in that. Wow. Who? Oh, I got to go back to the. Is it like a Yossi Ryan Ellis at home? Those yes, kind of guys? it was. It was Yossi. Yeah, Yossi Ellis and Rene might be Predators only untouchables. I don't know why Rene is considered untouchable. I think they're probably just going to have him retire as a Pred. It's just more of a respect thing. Yeah, I can see that. Like, I'm looking here at like guys like I think you're right. Paul Mary, on. I think, is very Paul Mary is. I like that a lot. He he brings a different a, a different type of attitude and play that you can you could work with. I like Philip Forsberg. Arvidsson was an interesting one just because his value might be, it's like a buy low for the potential that he has. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the problem is, is like you need to find the right team that's looking to sell off or even not just sell off, but might want something different and that you can offer them. Like 
what's a team? I know some people, we talked about the Nylander stuff. Like, is there a Nylander deal out there for a team that wants what he brings and can give the Leafs something different? But the thing is, you got to equate that salary-wise and and return-wise. I don't know if that's out there. Forsberg. I mean, Forsberg would be great. And, like, really, like I, got, I mean, the thing is, is Nashville needs more than a Nylander, but Nylander can help... I don't know, man. You said he's got one year after this one. Yes. I don't think I'd offer much more. I wouldn't either. No, I'm not saying I would. I would do. I, I wouldn't say the Leafs have to kick him more, or like you have to figure out the salaries would work. I think the salaries are pretty much almost equal. I think Forsberg is at six. Yeah. Like if you're Nashville, I don't see Forsberg sticking around if they're still bad. No, their shit. Their their goaltending is awful. They didn't Goal draft. They didn't draft that Russian kid, did they? Yeah. Uh. Yes, they did. Oh, they did? Up, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they did. So that's but, probably their timeline. He'll probably be here in three years. Like, <laughs> unless he takes the Shesterkin or Sorokin angle. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't show yeah. up till he's twenty twenty five. <laughs> well, the other problem is, is you got. Johansson I think, he, I think making... he's gonna be like, uh, what's the guy in Tampa Bay, uh, Vasilevsky? Yeah. Yeah. I, I the the thing with Nashville, it's like you have Duchesne making a decent chunk of change. You have Johansson. Your top two centers aren't getting the job done. No. Do they need a winger to elevate them? Can Nylander? Because I think Nylander is more of a playmaker than he is a primary driver. Oh, yeah. So can he in a different situation? I just don't know if he's the player that Nashville wants. It's he'd be a player they could use. But I don't yeah. know if he's fits. The, the problem is people, and I, I think uh, Berkshire brought this up when we talked about it on the live stream. You're yeah. trying to convince teams to take a Nylander, and unfortunately, a lot of these teams are have these old school style GMs yeah. that are trying to trade exactly. a Nylander, not trying to acquire a Nylander. They're trying to bring in a Nick Ritchie or somebody that can hit and still. That's a bad example, but but guys like a Tom Wilson type, they're looking for that can run a guy through the boards and then also put up points. I also, there aren't think, many the, of those. I also think David Poyle has been around for so long that he's yeah. not, he's not your typical old school GM, but he's also a guy that's been burned by deals so much that you're like, Ugh. I don't know. If, yeah. Like, I, and he I was think killing he, it a couple of years ago too. They we were talking about him like Iserman a couple of years ago. I would even think that like, um, Minnesota could use a Nylander. Like they could use a skilled guy like that. But the thing Can you is, imagine Nylander with Kaprizov? That would be so fun. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just they just don't really have much. No, yeah. like they're one of those teams. It's I think we've talked about this with Minnesota. They're one of those teams that really doesn't do doesn't make the playoffs or doesn't make it far in the playoffs, but they also won't rebuild. So they're just like within that like twelve to thirteen pick range. So they get yeah. like the middle of the draft guys. Mm-hmm. They also, yeah, they've also overpaid guys like Zuccarello and like yeah. those deals. Like they they were trying Zuccarello's to get rid of... another guy that I would have liked too. I like Zuccarello or not, not Zuccarello, not Zuccarello, Zucker. Sorry. Yeah, Jason. Zucker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Zucker. So I don't know. I, the Leafs are. I I know Dubis is going to continue to look. Thing is, is he's got a very you know they have to make the salary work and they have to. It's like, are you giving up another first round pick? No, nah, I try not to. No, you can't. You can't be you, for you. Can't, I think actually some teams, 
Another Ain't, guy, like another guy you could look into is like a Timo Meyer. I'd like him. He's ooh. a good player. Yes, yes that's I think a very, he'd be perfect. Isn't he on a? Was he the one that signed the six million dollar contract? That was LeBanc that signed the like one year. Yeah, I think uh, I think he's right? on like a three. He was a three year deal. This might be his last year. LeBanc's an interesting one too because he he used to be a good shooter. I don't know. I don't watch a lot of San Jose games, so I can't really speak for him now. But Kevin LeBanc had a good season, but he hadn't done enough to earn himself. So Timo Meyer has two more years left at six million a year. That is a large. And salary. he has, oof, two goals in seventeen games this year. Yeah, he's. That's one of those deals where they were kind of looking for that. Like, I don't want to say Brad Marchand, but like you know what I mean. Like those Kachuk guys that are a pest that can put up points, and they yeah. bet on him, and he hasn't quite panned out. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think the Leafs have to. They're looking. I mean, they were they're sniffing around Nashville because Ellie Freeman said that they looked in at Mikael Granlin. So they, they clearly have. I, I mean, I consider that if the you price could is Matthews right. to do the Michigan. Yeah, it's just you just have to be very careful with the price. But I think Dubas has also shown, you know, he didn't he traded the first rounder to get rid of the Marl, but he got a first rounder back. Luckily, so. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think I don't know if you want to keep trading first. You can't keep trading first rounders. Um, but you have to give up something to get something. That's the other thing too. Talking about getting rid of something. <laughs> let's oh, talk no. about let's talk about the juggernauts. <laughs> the, ju- the, well, the Montreal juggernauts. Yeah, they should uh, they should have renamed Thanks. themselves the juggernauts. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't realize I didn't realize Claude Julien was on the hot seat until he got fired. <laughs> Cause wow, Jake, you were the one that brought it up. And I'm like, what? Sick. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. I was like, wow. Cause it, it caught me for threw me for a loop. I was like, what? I was like, how what the hell is he getting fired for? I don't know. I thought it was a stupid I thought it was a stupid firing, but they don't I mean, then again, they got a GM that everybody Everybody talks up like he's won fucking six cups in a row, and he's just extending his life again by doing this shit. He gets yeah. lauded for signing everybody, and then people are are stunned when they have six when they don't have success after only beating the freaking Canucks. Did I read this right? That this is the sixth different coach that Carey Price has played for. That sounds right. The only ones I can think of was he there when Carbono was there, wasn't he? He had to. Pro- he had, Carbono, dude, he's been there since Carrie 2007. N. Oh yeah, Gee, I forgot he he played like a little stint in the AHL and then came up like immediately. He's been there a long time. Man. Yeah, he didn't okay, do the here. normal like goalie comes up when he's like 23 thing. He here. was up when he was like 20. Oh, okay. He's been here. in the league since minimum 2008. Yeah, so Guy Carbono was fired in 2009. Bob yeah. Gainey took over interim. Oh, and Jacques God. Martin that, came who in. Who was that asshole? What's his name? Like uh, Cunningworth or something? Oh, Randy Cunningworth. Randy Cunningworth. <laughs> Randy Cunningworth came in. Then Michelle Terrier. I remember came Cunningworth in. did didn't do a bad job, and they're like, "No, he don't speak French. He sucks." Yeah, that was <laughs> well, that's the weirdest thing to me. With they found the coach that was bilingual in Claude Julien, and they immediately let let him walk as soon as the team starts losing. Uh, it's been what a year and a half. Uh, to, since 2017, they got to cut that shit out. Man. Julian's been there since 2017. Yep. Holy shit, it's been a long time. Yeah, he took over for uh, Michel Terrier. 
Oh, right. Oh, right. Because he wasn't with the Bruins when the Leafs lost to him the last two times. It was Cassidy. Yeah. It seems like the Bruins only let him go like a year and a half ago. It's it, yeah. time flies. Oh, my. Mike Tarion. Mike Tarion. As O-Dog calls him. <laughs> here's the, here's oh. the thing with Montreal. I mean, Bergevin has been around since, oh, my God. Easily 2010. Easily. Yeah, I think you might be right on that one. He Jake. might be there ten years. Forever. Galchenyuk was his first draft, twenty eleven, right? Twenty eleven or twenty twelve? He has <laughs> been since two thousand twelve. You're right on, Jake. There you go. So since two thousand twelve, he has. Uh, he was. I think he must have been after. I think he must have started with Michel Terrien. This is going to be his third coach. I was going to say, how many coaches is it going to go through before the, the, the thing is, the thing is I haven't heard a peep about him. He yeah. just does just enough to avoid yeah. it. Yeah. And the thing is people are talking about him as executive of the year for some of the moves he made. Like it's insane. The thing that's crazy is if you look at his like individual, like moves on a macro level, you're like, he's actually done pretty decent job. I mean, he yeah. signed some good players. He's made some good trades. He's made some really controversial trades that have worked out like really well. Like Shea PK Weber, Subban, PK Subban trade worked out well. The Galchenyuk trade for Max Domi worked out well. Yeah. The Max Domi trade for Josh Anderson worked out well. He signed a couple of good guys. He just says, I just, I don't understand how they're not able to get a superstar player. Well, they refuse to draft one. Well, I don't think it's a refuse to draft one. I just don't think they have ever been in a position to do one. Let's see. And- uh, I think they have been. So the one that I can think the biggest miss by uh, Bergeron so far. What uh, year? What what year? Who went after? Kokiniemi was that's what? That's the one I was going to bring it up. The Kako Kako draft? Yeah, that was uh, the. Uh, no, he no, was no. the Dalene draft. Yeah. So Pedersen so- went after him? No, yep. uh, no, no, no. That was Quinn, this year draft. Quinn Hughes. Okay, Quinn Hughes. Like, uh, you know I me, mean? Barrett Hayden. Hold on, I got not... you. Uh, Brady Kachuk was the pick after him. Barrett Hayden, Philip Zadina, Quinn yeah, Hughes. They could. I mean, I know they were kind of reaching for a center, which in hindsight was pretty dumb. Yeah, like when I was doing my thing, I don't think anybody had Kakaniemi rated in the top fifteen, and then he had some crazy spike up the rankings like as soon as it was rumored that he was headed to Montreal. That's also not the best. It was just not the best draft. No. No. In hindsight it was not. Like I know people were I know people were kind of uh, all over him because he didn't take Zadina and again another move where it's kind of worked out for him. Zadina's kind of kind of shit. Uh, I Red Wing so Granus Yeah that draft has been really bad. I mean, they got they got was... really unlucky in that they didn't get Delene or Svechnikov, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't good center wise, that's for sure. No, especially not. And uh, no, it, it's too rough. I I will criticize him. I know when we were talking with Andrew, he said it's tough to criticize him based on that move, and they thought that contract was going to be enough to get uh, Aho. I just think it would have completely transformed their team. Yeah, and that's they... the only way you're going to get it. The only way you get it is once in a lifetime, considering the NHL movement, hopefully it's less than that. Uh, center hits for agency like Tavares or something like that. Or you're going to draft one high. They're never available. Or you're going to have to offer sheet them. And they did. They had an opportunity and it just wasn't enough. 
I don't know why they didn't go back to the drawing board for Barzal. Makes no sense to me. I again, it will never, it will never make sense to me why these guys just have this stupid little code where it's like, I'll, I'm not gonna do it to your guy. Like, what's Lou Lamarillo? Well, it's always, it's always just bring a baseball bat and break. It's always just because they're afraid that if they do it, who's gonna do it to them? Right. Then so be it. Like, I mean, who cares? Like, you're trying to win and you're trying to build a team that could win. They've yeah. They had uh, they've had opportunities to get these superstars and they just haven't been able to do it. Like even a guy like Braden or it was not Braden Point. What was the other guy that uh, that Ottawa should have uh, for, uh, offer sheeted? The guy on Tampa Bay, the second line center, uh, Sorelli. Yeah, Sorelli. I mean, like you can get these guys and just put teams in really tough squeezes where they have to make choices, and they just decided they won't. The and worst part is. When you think about Montreal and you think about Bergevin, the worst trade he has made was the Duran for Sergachev trade. Yes. Like stuff like that. Like as a GM, you, you only get a certain <laughs> a limited amount of kicks at the can before you're just, if you're an owner, you're just like, okay, like something needs to change. And, but the thing is, yeah, Bergevin, as you said, he has done enough to earn so many star, like it's just, it's almost like you do a bad thing, but then you can redeem yourself. And he's done enough. He has enough of those bullets in his chamber where he has been able to keep himself afloat. And Carey Price helps. Like, yeah. Carey Price has masked some of the deficiencies. I don't think he uh, has. I think he's the reason why he's fired right now. Well, I think he's the reason why Claude Julien's fired for sure. Yeah. A goalie yeah. can a goalie can win you a, 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 a an Adams trophy. But he can also be the reason why you get fired. Like, look at Torts. Like, Tortorella would not have won Coach of the Year if it wasn't for Bobrovsky. Co- Tortorella would not be a success right now in Columbus if it wasn't for Corpus Allo, Uh, You look at uh, Florida with the Sergei Bobrovsky thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you look, I mean, how many, how many teams in the league? Carey Price, uh, what was the, the what year did Montreal make that run when the Rangers beat them to go to the finals? It was like 2012. I think. Was that when was that the Halak year? Or am I thinking of a different year? That no, was, that when was the Capitals beat 2000, them. 2012 was, it was uh, the year the that the Kings the finals. Won. It was right, the year that right, the, right, right. the Kings yeah. well the Kings won back to back, right? Yeah. Uh it was like one of no, those they where rotated. they traded. So 2014 they was when they beat the Rangers. Okay, uh, so that final. was the year. 2012 was when they beat the Devils in the cup final. So, okay. like, you think back to, like, Carey Price, I mean, he got injured, and they they point that to the reason why they lost. But at the same time, he gave they gave Carey Price that long deal at the absurd amount of money that I, I always say you never want to pay, overpay your goaltenders because – Goaltenders are voodoo. They could be good one at one point, and then you're like Sergei Bobrovsky was bad in the first year of the deal, and you're just like, oh, there's seven more after this, and we cannot trade it. It's the same thing with Price. People are like, oh, you know, that this is probably the time to trade Carey Price. And you're like, well, who's going to take a ten and a half million dollar goalie? Nobody. Yeah. No one. And that's a Bergevin move. Like that's a move he made, and the owner signed off on it. Because you know, Carey Price is a good goalie, but <laughs> you need more than a good goalie, and it's it's Montreal is is stuck in a loop. 
right now. And they, they right now they're tied to so much. Like Bergevin is realizing he can't trade. Who's he going to trade on that team? There's they no got to trade their prospects, which they haven't done. Like he, he's tried some of these swings that haven't worked. And he just, I don't know. I don't know if he's afraid of, of getting fired or making a move yeah. of something like fires. I think he is. Cause you know, he's just always saved he, this money for some He doesn't reason. want to take the home run swing. He just wants to get the contact. Well, he just, I don't, I just don't think he has the balls to do it. Like, no. because he's risking it. Like, um, it's, cause it's blown up like, in his face. No, before. it's like, it's pretty, pretty simple. When you look at a guy like Masai, who pretty much just put his entire reputation on the line for something he believed in. I just don't think he believes in this team. He 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 doesn't believe that he doesn't believe that because there's not the star caliber talent that they have to rent they have to win it a different way by going with the toughness and the problem was he probably feels like Julianne didn't share that vision because you know when they had Max Domi him and Max, Max Domi and Julian didn't get along, and that led to Domi being traded, so they can get a guy like Anderson, and that hasn't really worked. Like it, Anderson has been—I mean, especially against the Leafs, he's been solid. But <laughs> Josh Anderson isn't going to make or break your team right now. No, uh, he's a good like like I really like him as like a second line winger or even a guy that can play with like an Austin Matthews, but they. Again, they just they don't have a game breaker. There's not somebody that I walk into a game saying this guy, if we don't stop him, we are screwed. They just don't have it. No. Like they were trying to make Nick Suzuki out to be the next Patrice Bergeron. They no, were... that was a joke. I mean, like, come on now. So he's a he's I... a you know fun little player, and I mean maybe he can end up being good, but like let's stop comparing him to Hall of Fame caliber players when yeah. Got what nine goals his rookie season or something like that? Exactly. And like, and when we were asking Berkshire about the Habs, and I mean, I, I, I've been meaning to share the interview again, but I'll put it in the link for the podcast. You know, he, he's pretty blunt about the Canadians and what's been ailing them. Like, Nick Suzuki, a decent player. He's a sec, he can, his potential on any other team other than the Habs, or I mean, some teams that just struggle to get talent is second line center, but he is right now the first line center because, or well, Deno, like you look at it, Suzuki, Deno, Kakanyemi, and whoever's their fourth line center. That is not a center group that's going to win you a cup. It's just not going to do it. You look at, and the thing is you don't necessarily have to draft them in the first round. Like I look at Tampa when you get a guy like Braden Point, Anthony Sorelli, those guys were not drafted in the first round. You have to, you have to, you have to find them, and the Habs just haven't been able to find them. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to say on this topic before we go into the heavy, heavy lifting? Oh. <laughs> you, you thought this was the you you thought this part was hard. It's not getting any easier now because we're going to talk about Mike Babcock. Oh God. Oh God. So. <laughs> I, Just I do when not, you thought we were done with them. The, I find this one to be another complicated thing because I'm seeing 
the social media reaction out there. First off, Mike Babcock, this is not the first time we have heard from Mike Babcock. The first time we heard from him was when he was on NBC. Yep. And then, I mean, he only had a limited amount of time to talk about that, and it wasn't really an interview. It was more of a, like, a oh, let's get this out of the way sort of thing with NBC. And they're not, first off, they're not going to throw a guy that they've hired and they're not going to throw him under the bus. Like, they're not going to do that. So he he does the Rod Peterson show. Austin, I know the Rod Peterson show pretty well. Yep. I mean, it's based, these guys are based out of Saskatchewan. Big Saskatchewan. It's a a big day for them. Yes, because the University of Saskatchewan decided they're bringing him in and you listen to the interview like he's not a guy that this is not a role where he's going to be there for 10 15 years this is a no. transitional role for him as he was with vermont doing some consulting there he likes working with in the college programs because college is a little bit different than the professional leagues because the the pressure is a little different I mean, those I think he the, also has the opportunity to build the program how he would like it. You have a little yeah. more say when you're a head coach in a college program, I'd say, than well, in a front office him, in the NHL. And for him, this is a nostalgic thing, too, because he's going back to his roots at home in Saskatchewan. That's where he's from. Yep. So people are up in arms about it when they heard the news come out. Then Mike Babcock goes on Sportsnet uh, with uh, Christine Simpson. They do their she does her weekly interview and you know she's done Brian Burr. She's done Wayne Simmons. Like she's had different guests on. And this is yep. the one time where, you know, she asks the questions about, and sorry, this also also started with the Pierre Lebrun stuff. I already, I've already forgotten about that interview. And yep. <laughs> the funny thing is you, I've list, I've, I, list, I, I read the Pierre Lebrun article. I watched the NBC thing. I've watched the Rod Pearson thing and I've watched the Sportsnet thing. The message from Babcock has been the same throughout. Nothing has changed. Nope. At what point in what Mike Babcock has done, because this is the bone I have to pick about the criticism about it, because people are calling it a redemption tour for Mike Babcock. No, that's, has that's your opinion about yeah. Mike Babcock changed after watching the interviews that he has done? You feel like, oh, you know what? I feel sorry for Mike Babcock because I don't feel sorry for Mike Babcock. I don't feel sorry for Mike no, Babcock. He's I still mean, on the Leafs payroll for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel bad for no <laughs> anybody that's. You think he's doing a bit of charity else. by going back to the University of Saskatchewan? He's still making seven, eight million dollars a year because at least still have to pay him out. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's not going to go back to an NHL team because if he does that, he he doesn't get what he's getting from the Leafs. Yeah, he he's been living the dream the last few years. Like I know he he probably wants to be behind an NHL bench because that's what he's been known to. Like that's what he's been doing for most of his life. It's kind of hard when something you you've done for so long and then you lose it. You want to get it back, but at the same time, for him. He's like, I'm in a position right now where I'm making. I don't know how many more years is left on that deal? It was an eight-year deal, right? He had been through five. Yep. Okay. So he's got another two. two. 
No, I think yeah. one more after a year, think, and, year and a bit. Because yeah. because he got let go last year. Was it eight years? middle of last year? No, eight eight years. two years. Because oh my god, I'm trying to think yeah, about this. Wasn't right he, now. Was oh it? God. Well, he he got fired during his. It was either year. six or eight. Yeah. Okay, hold on. The Leafs. <laughs> this hired is the best in 2015. Way to hired in 2015. Hired in 2015. He lost so the ball. 16, 17, 18, 19. Five. And he was fired yeah. in 20 because he so, was fired at the end of middle of last season. Or sorry, he was fired in 19. He, he was right here when Tyson, he was here when Tyson Berry was here. That was last year. Yeah. He got yeah. he got fired in November. Yeah. Because I was not in Toronto when he got this fired. This is technically this is technically Sheldon Keefe's first full year, even though it's not fully the whole shortened season stuff and COVID stuff has made this a little hard to grasp. It screws up the timeline for sure. Yes. It does but yeah, he was timeline. he was let go in November of twenty nineteen. Um yeah. And Keith was brought in immediately. He's in no rush to go for an NHL job. And no NHL NHL team is going to touch him right now. Unless they're yeah. absolutely desperate. But he also understands it's not his time to take another NHL job. There's no reason for him to take one. There's people that have already rumored him to Montreal, though. Oh, I mean, that's just Because he went to McGill, Dave. So he probably knows French, maybe. No, he does not know. He's not. He's not a Quebecois. They're not going to accept. <laughs> they are not going to accept. My sister him. went to McGill. To, uh, no French. Yeah. Uh, I, I hate this. I hate to say this, but just because you went to school in Montreal, yeah, doesn't mean you speak French. I could have gone to Mc. I I could have gone to McGill. Uh, I, right, I, slow down there, <laughs> Jake. I actually probably speak more French than your sister does. Well, I'm saying academically. Oh no. I, I wasn't as bad. I was on the honor roll in my high school. I wasn't. Uh, uh, I was. I was a one and done in French, so I have no authority I went to, in the situation. I went, I went to Ryerson. I mean, it's not. I, I don't know much about Canadian University. I just know McGill's was very hard to get into. I didn't get <laughs> yeah. in. And Here's I was the on the honor roll. Here's the thing. What did you try to go there for? And what Business. did your sister do? That's yeah. the thing. How, did, how was, did we get on this tangent? Jesus Christ! Let's just let's just say this. It's not hard to get to McGill because it depends on the program you're doing. You can get in for the arts. Right. And I'm pretty sure that's what Babcock did. <laughs> yeah, he played hockey, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so let's just let's just say this. Mike Babcock being a drama major yeah. would be the funniest thing to me no, just thinking about it. You know, well, the Shakespeare guy, yeah. he doesn't really work hard. He's a Shakespeare's a good team guy, wrote uh, Romeo Juliet, uh, Hamlet, you know, <laughs> yeah. just did a whole bunch of things, got bucks in deep and... Uh, this is a pretty good Babcock up. voice, Austin. I'll give He's you good, that. Good pro. Good pro. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't done a Babcock voice in a year and a half, man. That's I impressed myself there. <laughs> We're gonna need a little bit more. So but but here's the thing. He's not he and and Christine Simpson, they've all asked the same question. <laughs> you've been you've t- you've had shots taken at you, which is fair. Everyone's taken their shots at Babcock. It's easy when he's not around to and he's not like and a lot of people have told Babcock stay out of the media like he's an the, easy target because he's making as much as he did and he didn't get the job done in Toronto well he's 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 taking the shots because he doesn't have a choice no one's gonna no, he's not gonna he, like no one's going after Jeff O'Neill for saying what he I, I actually listened back to some of the stuff that was said when he was fired yeah it, it the fun the part that I find quite interesting and i've heard i've listened to the spinning chicklets about wit and and biz 
talking about all oh, players talked about how much they didn't, how much of a jerk he was or this and that. And I'm like, so then why the heck would the Leafs have hired him? Why would NHL team still employ him if he was a jerk? And my, and my thinking is we're, we're trying to equate what Mike Babcock did to what Bill Peters did. And yeah. I think that's, I think that's getting a little misconstrued. I mean, that's like the part. I, I think. And that's, I think like we've all had coaches who are assholes. I've had some, yes. but I've never like, I've never thought of them in. Jake, a, not even a coach, a teacher. Like, yeah, or, like we've all had yeah. people who have in, been authority positions that have been jerks. But there's the difference between being a jerk and being labeled as a abuser, racist, and a bigot, and a, yeah, a, a abuser. mental abuser because that's what he's being. That's what he's being labeled as right now. A guy yeah, that had, getting, getting called out uh, in front of your teammates and stuff yeah. like that is not like, it's not insanely over the line. It's just, he's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. With the, the Mitch Marner stuff, I'm, I'm sorry if this comes across as me being a jerk, but what he did to what he did to Mitch Marner a ha- as a rookie stuff happens. Yeah, does not equate there to the, the stuff we heard. that happens that people don't know about in the NHL. It doesn't I'm equate. Sure. It doesn't equate to the Johan Franzen stuff. No, no, that like that is like if That's he had up. like a serious mental issue and he was like continuously berating him, and that is messed up for sure. But still, I mean, and he said he reached out to Franzen to apologize. Which I mean, why would he lie about that? Johan Franzen could have come out and say, no, he didn't, but nobody's refuting that. But the, on top of that, he, the part that, and, and uh, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit here. He said it doesn't sm- pass the smell test, which I don't know why you would word it like that. Like, no, it's, it's either when true you look or at it's the not. news that's come out about Babcock and you see the Mitch Marner thing. And I'll probably sound like an asshole too. You go, Oh, well, yeah, that's a real dick move. Like, yeah, it's a douche move, and he yeah. admitted it was not the right thing to do. When you see but, uh, the Johan Franzen thing, you're like, you're an asshole. You're a piece of human garbage that verbally abused somebody with a mental yeah. condition or that was mentally not all there at the moment. But he's and and he's making it seem like I didn't. I don't know if he's if he's coming across this way, but he didn't. I don't think he realized how like, he thinks he didn't push like push past or how do I he didn't cross the line he didn't feel like he did because he says you know the whole stuff of what he's saying about his family and this I'm like it that has nothing to do that's personal stuff that has nothing to do with how you treat someone on a professional level mm-hmm. so but the part that's really bothering me about all this is that Mike Babcock is being made out like the repu- like the way that people are talking about Mike Babcock, it's like this guy just should be barred from, from doing. I think he's still like if someone is willing to give him an opportunity, good for him. Like he hasn't done any. Like he's just been like he wasn't great in a situation. Like I, yeah, I don't know. Like he definitely has an ego about himself. Yep. Or he thinks that's it's a like, that's a it was yeah. put on but- him. Who wouldn't have an ego about it? You know, winning a championship, yeah. winning multiple gold medals. Exactly. Like you're going to have an ego because you've won two gold medals at the Olympics. And, and won you're a allowed Cup. to have one too. And, and he's you a got des- the highest he was... co- 
contract for a coach in history. But, but yeah, exactly, he was a highly but exactly what Jeff said, when that stuff doesn't follow you, people are, aren't going to be able to sit around and just take it and just listen yeah. to you just for no reason. Yeah. So, you can't come out and do this stuff like to Johan Franzen. And the Marner stuff is just stupid. It, it yeah. was something stupid that he shouldn't have done, but it's nowhere near the Franzen thing. Yeah. Um, that's going to follow him forever because it's now people see him in that light. Here's the other thing too. And he said he's done things that have pissed players off. Yeah. I don't think it's the role of an NHL coach to always be well liked by all the players you coach. No, sometimes you have to. Do you think Torts is liked by any of his players? Oh my God. Like, come on. And he, he, what does he want? One cup? Yeah. Yeah. He's still, he's still guys that have won. So he's still won, but he hasn't won at the level Babcock is. So imagine what Babcock would have been like behind the scenes with how he self evaluates himself. I mean, I think it's just tough nowadays for any successful coach who has a style that rubs people the wrong way for them to uh, get public. Honestly, it's very rare that players, coaches, are um are winning yeah i can't like i'm trying to think like the only one i could think of is like john cooper i was gonna say like john cooper i was gonna say like steve kerr Mm -hmm. but like he was given so much damn talent i love steve kerr but like (laughs) i think i could have won a championship with those golden state teams um but like i'm trying to think like nick nurse like he calls people out in the media all the time yep uh greg popovich does it Brett bill belichick basically invented it I mean, even Bruce Arians, like he called out Tom Brady. Guys won seven Super Bowls. He's yeah. like, it's not enough. It's not good enough. As the coach, you have to you have to establish. Yeah, you can't just be a complete yourself. kiss ass like a guy like Pete Carroll, who's like, hey, dude, I'm walking into this thing with you. Uh, I'm taking my shirt yeah. off because you're Jack, bro. Yeah. It's like now he sucks. I look at even if you want a hockey example. I remember when Vegas was absolutely distraught when Gerard Galanka fell out. Like, no, he hasn't been hired. He hasn't been rehired. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing, as as and I think Keith is understanding this now. There's only so as far as you can go with the players to make the players happy. Where yeah, before you have to put your foot down, and it's you tougher to with Keith because it's like John Cooper. He's come up through the system with these guys with the Marlies. He's coached yeah. Nylander and a couple of years ago Janssen Kapanen. Uh, Travis Dermott, like he's oh, coached he's all these guys. A big like Dermott, I think, is a big one for Keith, where he's he he doesn't want to give up on the guy, like and yeah. rightfully so. Like he's got to go to bat for his players, but there, this is, I think, maybe an and an, maybe it's a societal issue where you're not going to be liked by everybody. You're yeah. not going to do things that everyone's going to like. And, and people have to understand, too, that not everything, every decision someone in a position of authority is does is going to be to your liking. No. They can't just think about things that are going to make you happy. They have to do the betterment of, in a coach's position, what's better for the team. Benching William Nylander in a game where you have a lead and he's not playing defensively responsible, you, you're thinking about the team in that situation, you're not thinking about Nylander as much you know i think people have to take a step back and be like there's there you know and again mike babcock may have done the thing with jason spezza to send a message to spezza 
it's just a, it's just, it's a thing that coaches try to do to establish themselves in the room. They try to assert dominance over the room, yes. and that's when you start to lose the room, and that's what happened to Babcock. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, Babcock. With him and everybody knew he was on borrowed time, and I'm we can talk about that if you want that. Yeah, that's the kind of the final thing. Um, when Kyle Dubas was named general manager and Sheldon Keefe was winning a hell of a lot with the Marlies. Everyone kind of knew, like, if he falls off even a little bit, like, he, it's curtains. I'm trying to remember. Was the question, like, you're, I have like, it right here if you want me to read it. I don't, I'm not going to listen to the full video, but the quote yeah. that's on the Sportsnet tweet from Christine Simpson is, I knew when Lou left, I was getting fired. So I think the question was probably, like, did you see it coming or did you see your eggs? Like, did we you saw come... it coming a year before it happened? And we thought it was happening. Dubas was hired. We, we thought it was going to happen when they lost to Boston. Yeah. That probably should have been when it happened. But when they lost to Boston the first time, it's kind of like, okay, you were the three seed. Boston was the two seed, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. They played in Boston in game seven both times. So they were definitely the lower seed. Um, and Babcock got out coached by Bruce Cassidy in mm. 2018. I just think he was just so stubborn. I yes. Mean, that's that that's also the issue is his him, ego. Like he he was his just ego like, played I've as big a part. I've just yeah. done it this way for so long. It's like, okay, great. I his ego played as big of a part in it I, as Cassidy did. I will I will quote, and this is probably going to be the, the make it or break it for Mike Babcock in a lot of ways. Remember that when I think it was just before they lost to Vegas, like kind of a week before he got fired. I will bet on Mike Babcock. Yep. Do you remember no, that the, quote? The, where the he refers for, to himself in the third person? The one for me that sealed his fate, like it or not, was immediately after, we've talked about this in the podcast, immediately after the 2019 Game 7 against Boston, when Babcock was basically asked, do you take any responsibility for this? And he straight up said, uh, no, he basically threw everyone else under the bus except himself. And Kyle Dubas had to go and jump on that grenade and say, it's my fault that the team wasn't good enough. Instead of Babcock also, saying, I got my ass out coached by the same dude in the exact same way for the second year in a row. That's when I knew Babcock was done as soon as he fell off. I hadn't, didn't he also mention that like they played against Boston and Tampa and, you know, those are two really good teams. He kind of made it seem like, you know, the Leafs were good, but they were also going up against good teams. Well, guess what? As a coach, the playoffs. it's your, you're, you're not dealt- playing the Detroit Red Wings in the playoffs. You don't get an off night in the playoffs, no. Mike. You're no, getting a you team to- that's going to kick your teeth in every night if you don't show up and play. Well, you also make adjustments or, you know, decide you know what maybe i need to play my star players in the games that matter the most and and that's and 20, 2019 was even worse because they choked a 3-2 lead they had a chance to close it in toronto and they choked it yep um some of it wasn't his fault i mean would have been nice some of it no had save but yes yeah, that's <laughs> yes game seven I, is a little different because obvious ta- things that have happened frederick anderson had some trouble making saves in those two game sevens and Obviously, Jake Gardner was a absolute pinata for Leaf fans after his couple bad games. I never, I never like to pin the success or failure of a hockey team on one, one singular yeah. on one singular thing. It's a, nope. it's, it's a bunch of things. It's goaltending. It's coaching. It's a lack of offense. It's a lack of defense. It all comes together. But the thing is, is that the coach has to foresee and figure out a way to fix it. 
And unfortunately, there was all the part that killed me is when he said, I knew when Lou was gone, like I was going to be getting fired. Well, that's kind of man, Mike, I'm surprised you could see a year and a half in advance. Yes. It's not like they fired him right away. That's the thing that bothered me. He had what he had a season and a half to prove that he was the man. Let's he just proved that he was not the man for the job. He was already on the hot seat from day one of the season when he put Jason Spezza in the press box just to prove a point to the team. Let's just say Mike Babcock was saved by probably by Brandon Shanahan in that when Dubas probably initially wanted to let him go. Yep. And then Brandon Shanahan realized Mike Babcock was losing the room. Brandon Shanahan, like he was he was at the press conference when they fired him. Because it's ultimately Brandon Shanahan's decision. Yep. He's acting on behalf of ownership as the president. He's it wasn't the Kyle Dubas that fired him. It wasn't nope. the young kid. It was it was the old boy that Babcock came into the organization with. Yeah. So I think people need to remember that. It's, the guy it that hired him was the guy that fired him. And Lou Lamarillo was not fired. Lou, it no. was Brandon Shanahan made it clear that Kyle Dubas was going to be the GM yep. and they realized that that needed to happen sooner rather than later because Kyle Dubas was being approached by other teams, namely the Colorado Avalanche. I think we're one team. I can't remember. If he didn't get the GM spot then with the Leafs, he would have been poached by another team. He'd be GM in another team right now. He would have been. And the Leafs would have had no, like Kyle Dubas would have had no incentive to stay if he felt like, Lou Lamarillo was blocking his path or Mike Babcock. Cause we also know Mike Babcock when he first came in, had a little bit of say yeah. with personnel stuff. And what was it that came out? The tweet that I sent today that one of the former Leafs employees said at the trade deadline in 2019, oh, Jack can. Yeah. I forget what the details was, were, was but Nick, was Jensen, Nick Jensen. Like, and he said that they wanted like to play him with Dermot. Yeah. They wanted to play Nick Jensen with Dermot, who they were looking at picking up at the deadline. And Babcock said that if he did that, he would bench Dermot instead of playing Jensen with Dermot. So Babcock's the reason he's not in the NHL right now is because nobody could fit his giant head and his ego through the front door. And I said that well, in our show, I'll say that now. Also because as we as I mentioned before, you need synergy with the front office and the coaching staff. Yep. He was never on the same page. Used to getting his way every single time. Like Jake Muzzin was brought in because they needed a defenseman. And what did Babcock say? He's not a right-handed shot. Well, he's better than a lot of other guys you're playing right now. So you better make it work. Um, He is a left-handed shot, but you play him every goddamn night, Mike. That was the other thing. There was another time he called he just, out. He, for me, he just seemed like a guy that was willing to sabotage his own team so he could be proven right. And yes. that's what I didn't like. Because I know a bunch of people like that, especially in the NHL. Like, torts is one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's guys who are just like, if you don't do it my way, it's the highway. And I'm surprised you're kicked the line and hadn't strangled torts by now because of the Dubois, because of... Speaking line, of guys, line. they... He should have really looked at firing him after he benched Line A like three games into his tenure. Like, well, actually, no, but I don't know if you remember, it came out that Line A talked lip at the assistant coach. That I don't have a I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem. It's a it's It's a respect thing. That's fine. I didn't know that. 
Yeah, but, that that was something that I I think people were. This is where you need to wait for the. I mean, it's not your fault, Austin, but like you have to kind of wait for the full story to come yeah. out. I don't pay I don't pay Columbus any mind, so that makes sense that I didn't hear about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I also think journalists there's certain journalists right now being taken to the wood chipper for things that people that in journal like that if you don't comment to say that Mike Pavcock everyone has to have tour, a comment or your or your betting I think Christine Simpson handled that interview pretty well because she asked the questions she's not going to it's not in a situation where she can you know make it out like a how what's it like Jake because I think the U.S. landscape is a lot different than Canada. Is there an interviewer that would really push and ask the really hard question, but in a fair way? I'm trying to think, like, is Larry King someone that I could say? Yeah, but he's more like politics. Yeah. Sports. I, sports. Sports. I, don't know. I was going to like, if we're talking about just in general, I'd say John Stewart was really good at that. Yeah. Because yep. he he was just so smart. And he was so like, he had the answers to everything. Like they'd, the, the thing that was great about watching uh, um, John Stewart is, is they'd have these, he'd always have these, these um, people that would just try and get him in these situations where he'd look bad and he'd always be prepared. Yeah. And I, I don't know, it's tough to find, you know, many interviewers, especially in sports who ask these tough questions because I don't think there's, there really is a many. I mean, I think it's it's pretty hard for you know media members to get that type of access now. Yep. I I can't think of one because it's it's all about like relationships, and you know a lot of people just won't go there. So okay, I remember. I think it would have to be like a guy like John Stewart. I remember back in the day, Ron McLean would really get into it with Gary Batman. Those were great interviews. Like oh, things- I, honestly, I'll say Brian Hayes. I think he does a really good job of going after it. I mean, you know, actually, he doesn't really pull any punches. You know, he he'll go out and say stuff to you know Kyle Dubas and uh, guys like that, and just being it's not enough. And I think he's really good in that, and that he's like, fair because he's also pretty biased in the fact that you know he's a Toronto sports you know, homer, but. He definitely asks harder questions than a lot of people. You know, what I'll I think, say. I think radio radio interviewers are a lot. Yeah, more I was like just about to say. Not face yeah. to face. The but one I'm. He, I think I'm, I'm thinking of the one you're thinking of, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Me too, Francesca. Go ahead. No, no. Bob McCowan. Yeah. Bob McCowan. Okay. Bob McCowan Bob Mc... would not give a single shit. He would go after you regardless. <laughs> the only only people he probably wouldn't go after are the ones that like he was you no know, buddy buddies. He with. probably wouldn't have gone after Lou because. Yeah, it's like the old boys club, but I can't say for sure because I don't really, I didn't listen See, to like, the interview. He wouldn't, he now. wouldn't go after like, uh, oh my god, Blue Jays, former Blue Jays president. Uh, he was really close with Beeston. Beeston, yeah, yeah, he wouldn't he go would, after him ever. He really wouldn't, but he would, he would go after like an Anthopolis or yep. he would go after Shapiro probably. Like, I think it's, yeah, it, Ron McLean and Batman is the best example of guys that. He's not scared of Batman, despite him being as high as he is. Yeah, like and, and, and just getting his job done. I don't know how we got on this tangent in related relation to Babcock. Oh, I guess torts and all that. And the other problem is the Christine Simpson interview was five minutes. Yeah, she's and it's elicited very, this kind of response. 
And it's edited down probably from what she's oh, already yeah. done. And she Doc definitely Ka- talked to him for like at least 20 minutes. Yeah. And the, and the thing is, is like, if this is a proper sit down interview, you can ask, you can expand on these questions, but I think people just are taking this way too far. And I think we're also taking this a lot further um, as well. But I just think people need to understand that a redemption tour is Mike Babcock pleading that he's innocent. Mike Babcock is not pleading innocence. Mike Babcock is saying that, you know, I mean, the whole, it doesn't pass a smell test. Like that's not pleading innocence. That's just him saying, ah, some of the stuff that's being said is not, it's it's not being presented in the way I think it should be presented or people are not getting the story correctly. He's just stating his opinion. He's not yeah. asking people, he's not telling, he's not asking people to to be sorry for him. Nothing in what Babcock has done or said makes me feel sorry for him. What no, makes me feel what makes me feel sorry for him is people thinking that he doesn't deserve to go on and do other things. It's a university coaching job. Yeah. I mean, Bill Bill Peters deserves to never be behind a bench again for what he did to Akeem Alley. That is you are a piece of human garbage and you can go away yeah. for the rest of your life. He I don't attacked- need to see you on a bench again. Yeah. He racially abused a player in a minor league system. And the Johan Franz and stuff, like that stuff is is troubling to hear. Screwed I've, up. Absolutely. He screwed up. It is up. a problem. The, yeah. I, I don't know got, how that I don't know how for it. But how and how, but the thing is how does that stuff not get dealt with? I mean, just like the Bill Peter stuff, but how does that yeah. not get dealt with in the moment? How do I players think it's because players don't I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but players don't really feel like they have the power to step up and talk to a coach because especially they're just going to get buried. Especially not in hockey. Yeah, like other sports, other sports where you're above them. I think like an NBA, could. like an NBA or now in NFL. Football, I think he can. Like uh, if Akeem Aliou had stepped up and that. told Bill Peters to go well, up himself, yeah, he'd probably be in the ECHL for the rest of his yeah, life. Yeah, especially because he's not good. No offense. Yeah, he wasn't a well, no. He, <laughs> He, he went over to Europe and it didn't really work out for his career. But like mm-hmm. if he had told Bill Peters to F off, he would have been buried on the spot because Bill Peters would have said, no, F you. You're not playing ever again. Yeah. Even though Bill Peters was in the wrong. It's like that in hockey, unfortunately. It's just, yeah, it's not it's like right. that in a lot of sports. Yeah. Unless you got clout, you can't really say anything. That's like, yeah, unless you're like a top player and you have a lot of sway with the organization. In that situation, you know what, Johan Franzen? might have been able to I don't think he would have said anything to Babcock because at that point they were winning championships in the pros you just kind of have to you can say something in a key value situation he was fucked regardless he was getting called the n-word which is horrific by a head coach and if he had said anything back he would have he would have been screwed career-wise for it I also blame the NHL for not giving and I blame a lot. Actually, I shouldn't even just put the NHL here. I blame every league for not putting the player, giving the players a, a place where they can make their concerns known and they yeah. can get it dealt with. Like, I understand that they have player unions and the PAs, but players don't want to do that because it shines a light on them, that they don't want to be seen as the problem or a problem. I guarantee Johan Franzen dealing with mental stuff did not want to be seen as weak or a problem. And that's, that's a societal, that's, 
that's a societal, societal problem. problem. Especially and, back then. That's probably been when the Red Wings like 2010-ish, something like yeah. that. And this is why people are being so are, are so upset about it and angry yeah. about it because these players are meant to feel like they they can't express these issues. Yeah. And there's and there's people now who feel like you know, I mean, we see it all the time. I deal with mental health issues and, you know, the bell let's talk stuff, you know, I know some people who have gone both ways with the whole, the whole bell let's talk stuff because it's, a, it's recently. A, yeah, it's like, it's a one day thing, but it's mental health is not it's an a one day thing. thing. Mental yeah. It's an everyday problem. It's but it's also, it's also like now you have to navigate things so differently than you do than you did years ago. Yep, absolutely. And that's where Babcock and a lot of these other coaches are Bab- failing. I'm not saying Peters uh, throwing a racial slur at a player at any point, any time is fucked no. and you deserve to be fired and never have a job again. Yeah. Um, On a happier abuse. topic. I saw, uh, I saw Jerry Gallant was the favorite to be the head coach for the Seattle Kraken. Ah. Babcock, Babcock is fifth in odds. Oh, nice. Well, what? Top three in Canadians. I know we already talked about that, but. Well, it's got yeah, Julian, man. Julian a third at plus 850. Yeah. Ricard Gronberg plus 900. Yeah, that's is, the is guy. He Sweden coach? Yeah, he's the yeah. Sweden coach. He's been talked about a lot. That's cool. I actually wonder when one of these international coaches like a non uh, not English first language speaker gets a head coaching job. It would be interesting to see. But the thing is, yeah. Swedish guys are so good with English that <laughs> I know yeah. they, they basically speak it uh, there because yeah. their language is, I mean, quoting I... Kristaps Porzingis useless. <laughs> I mean, that's what he said. He said like, you don't want to yeah. speak Latvian. He's like, it's basically a dead language. Yeah. So I, I, it'd be very interesting. I actually, I'm actually really curious to see who would get the job in Seattle. Like Gerard Gallant, I I understand why he'd probably be the top odd because he's already done it with one team, but I mean, so much went right for Vegas. I also want to say with the whole Vegas thing too, he had a really good goalie (laughs) and who's still a good goalie, Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't know if you guys have seen. You have to wonder, would he he would have to be what the favorite for the Montreal job or who is it? No, they're gonna continue with Ducharme right now. Oh my god. He fulfills the he fill he fulfills the Francophone criteria. Yep. And Bergevin has already made it a point of saying that he's gonna be the coach this year. Quarantine, COVID or no COVID, this is the guy we want. Ducharme coach. Canada to one of the world juniors the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Dominic. One of the Ducharme? wins, wasn't it? Yeah. He coached the McDavid team, didn't he? Uh, Something like that. No, I think the I think 20... it was one of the more recent teams. Like the it might have been the last team that won in um Buffalo. No. It was recently. <laughs> I don't remember what team it was because they change coaches out every year. Head coach was Benoit Gruel. Ben- Benoit Gruel. Yeah, Benoit Gruel was the team coach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did a good job. Yes, he did. I mean, he also had probably the best player. <laughs> McDavid best. was his second line center, so <laughs> that's not uh, such a bad Ducharme, thing. <laughs> Ducharme was twenty. Ducharme was twenty eighteen. They won okay. that year. That was in. That was in Buffalo. That was the Carter Hart one. Yeah, that was the one that we talked about. Austin, where pretty much they had like 
unreal but goaltending and defense. Kale McCarr was their seventh defenseman on that team. <laughs> and he was the rookie of the he was like the defenseman of the tournament as the seventh demon. Scrub ass. Yeah, unbelievable. Uh, Tim Hunter was twenty nineteen. Dale Howard Chuck was recently as well, right? Twenty Ducharme was twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, I know for a fact. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know what direction the Habs are going with that, but I, I don't I don't know. I mean they'll give Ducharme. Oh, I'm the sorry, year. not Dale Howard Chuck. Uh, he's passed. I'm sorry about that. Oh um, you're thinking of no, you're um, thinking of Dale Hunter. Y- n- yes. Yes, sorry. But yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's I mean, wrong Dale. It, it happens like yeah. people get those right. Um, yeah, gentlemen, I think we're good here. I think we've gone we through a lot of the talking, a lot of talking. Yes. And it's late and it's like how we always are like, we're going to keep it short. And then an hour and a half later. <laughs> yeah. Started to get a little off topic. We got off topic. On the yes. <laughs> So had had to reel it in with the betting odds, but <laughs> Jay's yeah. just like, how do I how do I get these guys back? I was court? reading it though. I was like, I was like, what the hell are we talking about? And then then yeah. I did see that. I don't know. I'm excited for that. I'm just excited for the playoffs to start. I'm getting I'm getting a little bored of this. Yeah, I actually this is my maybe my last. Point. I just I just everyone don't really so, think it's a everyone, challenge. Everyone's like talking about how good like the Canadian division is good for betters who are betting the over they're yep. good for they're good for you know canadian hockey fans because they get to see their team maybe a little bit more uh especially like if you're like a leafs fan that is out in like vancouver and edmonton you get to see them on your time <laughs> rather than yeah. seeing them at a different time zone i just um, think it kills it that the, the is there, there's there's what no plans at all for having fans in buildings in canada Oh, no way, Jake. We we're not having Canada Day festivities in Toronto. We've already decided this. I'm. <laughs> it's freaking February. We're not have like the Blue Jays better prepare to not be coming up north at, for a while. At the rate we're going, I think there's a report today that came out Ontario <laughs> where Dave and I are. Our age group isn't set to get a vaccine until like June or July. No, 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 no. Yeah, we're we're not even set up to have a website to do COVID vaccines. <laughs> we're the Alberta, I think Alberta and uh, one of the East Coast provinces. Alberta, has already... which has been an absolute dumpster fire. Their premier has, has gotten more <laughs> more flack than Doug Ford. And yet they are making appointments and people are going to get vaccinated next week and we can't even set up a website. No. So, Jake, yeah, don't expect Canada to have fans anytime soon. And I guarantee what's going to happen is whoever comes out of the Canadian division is going to go to the States and play the playoffs in the States. Oh, absolutely. It sucks, man. I was watching the Knicks game. This is the first week where they allowed fans back in. Yeah. It definitely, like, it, it boosts the entertainment level for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's not as fun without the fans. No, it's, at all. Dude, it's not at all. There are, there are games you're watching. Like, imagine if that Leafs Habs game had fans. Yeah. Imagine that cool. Leafs that Leafs comeback against Columbus in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Was, with fans in the building. That's kind of sad. Oh yeah. Like that place would have been. I give bananas. I give the I give the players a lot of credit because they're. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that. The NHL has allowed teams, some teams to have fans like Arizona, Dallas, Florida, 
Like that's an unfair advantage for them in a yeah. way. Right. But I don't know. It's going to be a long time before we see fans up here. It's going to be a long. Dude. Yep. Uh, we're thinking about Tiger Woods. That's all I wanted to say. Oh, before we check out. Yeah. That, yeah. that was scary, man. Uh, yeah. I was, I saw the vid, I saw the car photo and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Like he is, he's counting his blessings. Absolutely. They said that they might, they said today that there was a thought that he might have to be uh, amputated if they didn't put the rods and screws in. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where he goes from here and from a golfing standpoint, but just the fact that he's alive and is still able to, you know, uh, live his life is a blessing, especially considering some of the accidents we've seen, especially with high profile actresses and actors and sports Mm. figures like Kobe. Um, it's, it would have been, would have been tough to, uh, see that, but luckily he's looks like he's going to be completely fine outside of just having leg breaks, which is, isn't some small feat probably, probably effectively ends his golfing career. Yeah. At his age, like if he was younger, if he was younger then I mean, the thing is like, he'd still be tough. He's had such a hard time with injuries. Like he's, he's a guy that pushes himself with like. You know, physically, he said, he said five back surgeries. This won't be the last time we see Tiger play because he'll be back in some capacity. At some I point. think, I think, I, I also would like to say, I think it's great that he ended up winning the Masters because there's, yeah, uh, that's done. He's not competing in majors anymore, making runs. No, and that. no he's not trying so. to be number one especially, in the world, especially he can just show with the way guys, to. especially with the way guys are hitting it nowadays. He just can't compete with it, but. Uh, I mean, his nice, back nice can't hold. He had that, yeah. I said, like I said, he's had five surgeries on his back. Yeah, yeah. He he's had such a tough. I know people have a hard time having sympathy for certain athletes, but this is a guy that's refused to give up when he's been a, given a couple every of years reason. ago. People would have had a hard time giving sympathy to Tiger Woods after everything that happened I, with. I don't. I don't really have sympathy for him. You know, he kind of uh, a lot of his a lot of his ailments are kind of his fault i mean like yeah. his shoulder injury one of his back injuries and he's a guy that's pushed he's himself a, he's an odd guy but yeah he's i give him credit though like he could have thrown in the towel so many times and he, he refuses right. to yeah yeah yep. yeah for sure but that's just a sign of a guy that, like there are guys who i mean look michael jordan had retired when things weren't going his way when his father then, died yeah when his father died I mean, that's the legit reason to do it. Like, I'm not saying that Michael Jordan, I don't think any different than Michael Jordan for doing that. But there are guys who have let it, you know, like, look, Brett Favre played a day after his dad died. Like certain guys, it's, it's almost like a mental thing where they have to prove that they can do it because there's an expectation that. I mean, it's a wrong standard that's been set now because there's certain people like, well, Brett Favre played when his dad passed away. Like, I don't understand why certain people can't get over it, but like Tiger Woods has his reputation is is like there's so there's very few athletes that have put in the dedication that he has when he's like at the top of his game. Yeah. And continued to be at the top of his game and refusing to give up. Even when people are like, ah, he's done, he's done. And he goes and he wins the Masters. Like, 
That's so, yeah, but that would have that like losing Kobe was bad. Tiger yeah, Kobe was devastating. That like I don't even know. For me, like I I wouldn't have looked at golf ever if it wasn't for Tiger Woods. Yeah. Especially same with uh, you know, minority fans like um yeah. you know, considering he's half Asian and half black, you know. I mean how many how many players would he's never just brought up golf. he just brought up the level so much uh for the entire sport. Yeah, there's like golf would not have survived. Like it would have been okay, but it never would have reached the level it had yes. if it wasn't for Tiger. Yep. Um so we're I mean we're just glad that he's he's able to make it out of it because not many people do. And I guarantee you, this is going to be a wake up call for him. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. We're, we're going to have to see how I was he... just happy to hear it wasn't anything substance related. Yeah, yes. That was the worry. I, I was so, I wasn't happy with the reporters really pressing it in the press conference. I thought they... it was fair though. Yeah, you have to ask him because he's had the history. He's had yeah. DUIs, are but if the cop says, the thing is, is like they, you know, cops are not gonna lie. No, nor would they. Like what? they have what? no reason to lie. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> yeah. Like if you committed a crime, go ahead. Like they can't. Like it's an investigation. If they lie about it, they put themselves in a bad position. Like they're yep. not. So I, I, I just didn't like that when they said, oh, it was not substance related. They kept pushing. And I'm like, you guys, not, you guys need Q-tips? Like, you didn't hear what he said? That, yep. part, of, that part bothered me a little bit. But, I mean, I'm just glad that it – I mean, the, the injuries you hear about, like, those, that, that stuff can't kill you. Like, even, like – It almost killed Alex Smith, and it was, it was pretty similar. Injuries yeah, that pretty- was the issue. Is that the air was getting to his open wound? Yeah, exactly. I, it started. It could have been serious. The infection. I mean, he might yeah. have. He has to make sure he doesn't get infected. You no, know, the infection is probably worse than his ankle shattering in itself and its life. Yeah, that's what you're more worried about in that situation because you can put pins and rods in, and it'll be. It won't feel great, but nope. if you get that infection, it's it's a real bad situation. Yeah, and I mean, at his age, it's even it's even more yeah. compounded because of it. So, I mean, we'll, I, I mean, we'll all keep uh, keep an eye on that, and just be glad that we don't have another. We don't have to think about another great athlete and paying. It also kind of bothered me a little bit. Like there was a couple of news outlets that were like talking about the legacy of Tiger Woods, and I'm like, no. We're not we're not getting there yet. So yeah, with that, we're not getting there. So with that being said, thank you guys for listening to this extra long podcast. We had a lot to get off our chest and I'm glad we were able to do that. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch our last live uh, watch party and you can watch our interview with Andrew Berkshire. And we'll be back again with another episode probably next week. Take care, everyone.